from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, a podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Here we are, ready for Left Box, my favorite time of the week, and perhaps yours too, but I don't know. Shoot me an email at chip at unconventionalleader.com and let me know if you even listen to the show. I would love to hear from you. So I have a question for you. Have you ever thought about putting together a TEDx talk? I know I have, but then I start thinking, hmm, do I have a big thought? And even when I have a big thought, do I want to put all the work into developing my big thought and actually delivering it? Well, this week I get to talk to a really good friend and longtime AATH member, Deborah Joy Hart, about just that. How she took her big thought from initial thought to delivery. How she prepared it, reached out to people, and delivered a fantastic TEDx talk. I know you're going to get as much from our conversation as I did, so I want you to sit back and enjoy. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Laugh Box, the official podcast for the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, I'm going to talk to a good friend of mine, somebody actually I've known since I belonged to AATH, my first conference. She was conference chair back in 2006 in Panama City Beach, Florida. I thought, hey, I'm going to Florida. It'll be warm. But it was not. But the warmth, <laughs> the warmth, the warmth of this woman made it all worthwhile. Oh, thank you. I, I get to talk to my friend, Deborah Joy Hart. So welcome, my friend, to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Chip. Yeah, it was, I think, 2006, 2007. 2006, and, yeah. Yeah, and I remember you just hugging me and going, oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, I was a mermaid. I looked more like a manatee then. So, yeah, <laughs> I did. I look like a manatee in a mermaid dress. That is awesome. Um, that's surprising. I'm not a hugger. That's surprising that I was a hugging, um, hugging that weekend. Oh, must yes. have just been, just must have been the atmosphere. Drew me yes. into a, a hugging state of mind. So, like, obviously, we've spent a lot of time together because, you know, yeah. conferences, hanging out. But for the listeners, if you can give them the hot skinny on Deborah Joy Hart. Whoa, hot skinny is not two words I would use when saying Deborah Joy Hart, but thank you. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, well, here are the favorite things I love to say about myself. I love my husband and my family. I love being a bubby, which is a grandma. And um, I have two obnoxious cats. I'm always on a diet and I eat a lot of cooked vegetables. That's what I like people to know. Um, but I have been a member of AATH, I think, before you were born, Chip. I don't um, think so. <laughs> certainly since the mid-90s. And I sort of grew up with this organization. It was just like, wow, fabulous. I learned about speaking. I learned about uh, healthy humor. I learned about unhealthy humor. I learned about, I grew up 
um, humor wise with AATH. There you go. Oh, that is a, that is a good intro. That is absolutely. So now I want to talk about, I mean, you just did a TED talk not too long ago and I want to talk about the kind of the process you went through, you know, preparing for that, delivering it, you know, what were some of the things afterwards, but before we get into our conversation, I'm just going to ask you a random question just to get our conversation going. So Deborah Joy Hart, what is the absolute grossest thing you've ever eaten? Not on a dare. Oh, uh, raw alpaca. That was very, you didn't even have to think about that. that no, because I, I do this with all my, I'm a clown at a camp. And one of the conversation starters is what's the grossest thing you've eaten? And I have eaten things all around the world. Mm -hmm. there you so, Give me the backstory on the alpaca. Well, we were in Peru and there was a, um, I'd already had cooey. Uh, cooey is guinea pig, nice. by the way. And um, to prepare for, I knew we would be eating guinea pigs. So I, I just have to tell you this. So I went to PetSmart and they had a bunch of guinea pigs. So to prepare myself emotionally, I looked at these three guinea pigs. I was with Daryl, my husband, and I went hot, mild, and mixed. Hot, mild, and mixed for barbecue sauce. So I have two things to say about cooey. Cooey is chewy. So I didn't like that very much, but we were at some sort of buffet. Who knows what was on there? And so it looked like some, it looked like tuna tartare, but alas, it was not. It was alpaca. Nice. Tartare. There you go. Now let me ask you this. Yes. I am getting just a little bit of feedback. There okay. Now it's gone. Okay. So, um, so did you know before you ate it that it was alpaca or was it afterwards? Like, Hey, you just ate that. Um, I don't remember. All I know is it didn't taste like tuna. <laughs> and, and it didn't taste like chicken either. I'm guessing. No, no, not. Nope. Nope. It did not taste like chicken. And cooey does not taste like chicken. That's funny. See, I was thinking in your guinea pig story that you know, you said you went to the pet store and maybe you got a couple and then you cooked them at home first. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's they like literally look like rats on a stick when they're cooking them. That sounds so appetizing. I know, but the Numb kids love when I tell that story. Oh, I'm sure they do. So let's talk a little bit about um, your TED talk. You know, you know, I. I <laughs> Now I, you know, I watched your vid. I watched your video. I really liked the content in there. I thought, you know, I Thank loved you. your stories, the way you kind of weave back and forth between, you know, point and story. But you know, if you can just give kind of like a high overview, you don't have to give the whole talk of, you know, no. you know what the talk, you know, was about. Uh, basically, I've been um, speaking more and more on a three P resilience practice, mm -hmm. and that includes. Um, do you have some sort of perspective, a way of looking at things? And do you have, oh my gosh, now I'm not even remembering my own three Ps. That is so bad. Um, so, so it's a way of building resistance ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So do you have like a power to visualize? Mm -hmm. You know, visualize, have memories from the past 
and healthy memories and happy memories. And look at your, let's be real here. You're going to have some unpleasant memories too, but can you put that as a memory and visualize a future when you have a loss? Memories and are, are in the past, the future, you can, um, has more hope to it. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Power to visualize. Um, are you being present? And truly, all of a sudden, I'm drawing a blank on my own. <laughs> permission. <laughs> it's permission. Permission. But, yeah. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Yeah. I, yeah I, I paid attention when I was watching your TED Talk. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Somebody did. You, you know, that was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my entire life. What made uh, it so, why was that? Um, I had to overcome some past memories. Mm-hmm. And the memories were, I know, I often, with the rule of threes, I take, I say two truths and one uh, not truth, but that's humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of the truths I talk about is how I failed at stand-up comedy and people know me and they're like, that's a lie. And I go, no, it's not. Um, here was the main reason. Whenever I've been in front of bright lights, that means in grammar school, in high school, in college. And when I tried my hand at stand-up, um, I go blank. I just, and then if I memorize things, I, I do not, it's like I'm an automaton. I'm just right. saying, right. I sound like a GPS system recalculating, you know, and the truth is I really had to get past that. And then in the end, I just want to jump ahead the bright lights, I was grateful for them because I knew people in the audience and that had come specifically to see me and I couldn't see them. And so I was like, because I had rehearsed, like I had videotaped myself, uh, start and stop, probably close to 200 times. That is painful. <laughs> yeah. Watching I didn't yourself, do, yeah. You know, and like I said, I, I didn't do full eight minute. Mm-hmm. videos but it was well it was over 200 times and I imagined using a, a page from my own playbook I imagined an audience loving and accepting me and because I had done that the bright lights were the best thing that happened to me um, and the other main reason this was so painful um, especially in the beginning, is I had to get past my own negative self-talk based on the past. So there you go. Right. Now, let me uh, ask you this. So when you decided you were going to do it, I mean, there's a whole application process. So, I mean, did you consult with other people on putting your application, you know, your package together or, you know, what did you put in there to, you know, make your stand out? Cause knowing you, I would think that it, <laughs> it probably had some, a little bit of flair to it 
uh, just knowing you that, you know, it was probably one of those things that just like when they saw it, it's like, oh man, we've never gotten anything written in Cran before. We should take this. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I, I, <laughs> I'm laughing now. So I saw this thing on Facebook. It was like an open casting call. There's two types of TEDx talks. The kind that you get, they're both TEDx talks, but some places they have um, people, you have to, you have to get invited. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second of all, there's open casting. I didn't find this out till the night before the the actual talk. So this was an open one. So I saw this on Facebook and this, this is how I am. I, I usually jump first and build my wings on the way down. That's just me. Right. Or in the case of the uh, alpaca, raw, um, I'll taste first and ask questions later. Um, <laughs> you know, and Daryl laughs at that. So here, here you go. I applied. It was an, uh, both of application and uh, video. So it was a one minute video. I asked a really good friend of mine who also does stand up, Joel Schwartz. And he said, Oh, move this line here. And it was uh, funny and poignant. And it was one minute and one second because I had to shut off the video. And one of my fears is I can't memorize, right? And I had the video. So that's sort of like bright lights. So what I did, I put it in um, probably close to four point type and <laughs> underneath the camera and I worked my way through it. And I sent it in. I did a few takes and I sent it in. And oh my God, I wasn't expecting to be accepted. And I went, oh, they're probably hard up for people that use humor to talk about hard subjects. That's what I thought. Like, why would they really take me? And um, what I found out the night before, there were 40 applicants mm -hmm. and only nine of us got in. Yeah. Now, did they say <laughs> what a separator for you might have been? Uh, no. They, okay. No, not at all. They just accepted me and then I panicked, right? Because then I really had to start working on my wings, <laughs> so to speak. So what was that process like of, oh. you know, of, of putting it all together? Because I mean, obviously, I mean, if you're out there speaking about this, you've got, and I've heard different thought processes on this, is that you don't want to take like your normal 60 to 90 minute keynote and try to do it in, you know, 10 minutes. So yeah. I imagine that it took a lot more crafting on your part to, yeah. you know, get through your pieces. So what was that process like for you on putting it and uh, putting it together, practicing? I mean, because that in and of itself to me would be so um, stressful. You think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think? So... So I, I sort of approached it from uh, twofold. One, they give you a coach. And I said, okay, use, use the coach. So one of the things I did is I contacted her, said, let's set up a meeting so I could just get my fears out there in front of God and everyone. My fear is, of course, 
not remembering because I don't memorize my talks. I always have slides behind them. And I know enough, I know enough stories that they're pretty, they're sort of organic, my 60 to 90 minute talks, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about that. We talked about my fears. Then I contacted uh, Alan Klein, Karen Buxman, and Heidi Hanna, because they all had done TEDx talks. And I looked at other people's TEDx talks. Now, um, there's a trend now. Lots of TEDx talks are uh, 17 minutes or 18 minutes. A lot of them are trying to make them down to eight. So I'm now in the eight-minute category of a 90-minute talk that I usually give. So what I did, besides panic, is I, I did intellectual things. Like I said, reach out and hear what they did. It was so wonderful. Alan gave me some uh, pointers mm -hmm. about the physical surroundings, okay? And that really helped. Um, and Karen said, a lot of these are student runs, so don't expect it to be, um, oh, what's the word, to be uh, efficient the way you do when you speak professionally. Right. Okay. okay. So those things were off my plate. Um, Karen and Heidi both said, oh my God, this was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. And Karen said, this is all you're going to think about. And she was absolutely right. I, the minute my head would hit the pillow at night, I'd start thinking of ways to improve or to change this, or this line needs to go here. Right. So putting that all together, Here's what I did. My coach said, I want you to speak organically in the beginning. Just speak. Just do some videos and do that and get your talk out. Mind you, it's only supposed to be eight minutes, right? Right. Fifteen minutes later, <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. But I, I sent it to her and she said, that, that's a great start. Meanwhile, my own negative voices are going, you suck, you can't do this, you can't do that, remember this, remember that. And that was really hard to get over. How, also, did, how did you get over that? Okay, uh, two things. When I showed that video to a friend of mine, she said, this is not you. Look, you've hardly moved. You're keeping your hands together. You are much more demonstrative than that. That's a big okay. word. Yeah, that is a big word. You know, but it's what a great thing for a friend to say. Like, even as I'm talking to you and there's no video, I'm like using my hands. She goes, you have got to use your hands. That's more like you. So a big thing is being me and not being what people, ex what I think other people expect me to be. So that's a big thing. Right. Number, number two, um, I, uh, I met up with some new friends and who are really positive people. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and just want to laugh. And then they have me. So there you go. They could laugh all the time. And they told me about this book called The Untethered Soul 
by, I'm gonna, I wanna look at his name again. It is uh, Michael A. Singer, The Untethered Soul. And I started reading this book that had to do with um, the voices in your head. And I'm like, wow, this book was written for me. So that's really, really cool. Those two things, learning to be more of myself and listening to the voices in my head. Now, full confession here, after the first 15 start and stop videos I did, I literally, I'm not making this up, was on the floor crying going, why the hell did I sign up for this? this That's so funny. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking when you said that, you know, when you were laying in bed and you, you were you know, like, you, you, it's all you thought about. See, what I would be thinking about is like, how the hell can I get out of this? I, yeah. I, 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 I'm in this now, but how, how can I get out? You know, oh. Please, Lord, take this, take this cup from me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was like, don't think I didn't think that. But what I heard the loudest and we, you know, I don't know how other people's voices in their head go. I mean, it's not enough to be medicated. You know what I mean? But I, when I picked myself up off the floor from crying and I kept hearing, this is part of the process. So you can talk about this process down the road. You've got to feel, I, I had to let myself feel helpless. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, so that was uh, quite the thing. Yes. So in putting the whole thing, then, you know, so you're practicing, you're shaving things down, you're practicing more, you're shaving it down yes. to get to that eight minutes. So yes. now, cause I imagine like, I know the day before they have, do they have, they have a dry run, they have a practice. That yeah. You go yeah. Through, yeah. So. Because I, I think that you're like, I'm the same way. I've got all the, this negative self-talk. It's like, you know, one, what the hell did you do, Lutz? You shouldn't have done this. Two, how do I get out of this? Three, you're not good enough. So like on the day before, when you're hearing other speakers, I, I assume you heard the other speakers give their oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. And you're, you know, like for me, I'd be sitting and thinking, man, they're so much smarter than I am. <laughs> so, so, so first of all, I want to tell you, how much at ease I felt because of this one thing. I get up to the front and um, there's other speakers. We're meeting them there. Um, and like the topics, oh my God. I'm like, what am I, cream cheese? However, this is what I heard because I worked really hard to keep it sharp and to the point mm -hmm. and eight minutes. There were at least two people that one person said, oh, I didn't rehearse it much. I know it's at about 15 minutes, but I'm pretty sure I can shave off that time up there. Wow. And then the other person said, mine's 12 minutes. I'm pretty sure I can get it down. And I'm like, what? I am at eight minutes. Yay me. So I really... I was so happy. That's a little confidence booster in yeah, that, you know, you're, you're like, the, you know, these, 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 these people didn't even practice. I'm at eight minutes. 
Latida. You know, yeah, I, that's exactly I, how I felt. Exactly. I'd be feeling, I would, yeah, I don't want to say feeling smug, but I would feel, you know, if I knew that other people hadn't done their homework and I had, I'd actually, you know, I'd be like, I feel pretty good about myself right now. Yeah, I did. Okay. So let me tell you something else. This, this is pretty, <laughs> to show you how my mind was working, this was during the rehearsal. So it was at a um, college auditorium at, um, oh, Bloomington Normal, whatever, which one that was. And we, so we were in like the wings of the, of the auditorium. And I had never, ever experienced dry mouth like this before. I mean, it's like my every inside just sucked in. And there was this beautiful basket of grapes. And we'll be right back with that awesome interview with Deborah Joy Hart. But now it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts is where I share facts about humor, laughter, sometimes the absurd. But this week's fact starts off with a question. Do you ever find yourself mm, kind of annoyed with the people around you? Maybe it's because you're too intelligent. And this leads into this week's fun fact from thefactlife.com. And here it is. Fact. One habit of intelligent humans is being easily annoyed by the people around them, but saying nothing in order to avoid a meaningless argument. So, if you find yourself really annoyed, probably because you got such an enormous brain. Now, if you've got a fun fact you would like to share on the show, email me at chip at unconventionalleader.com. I would love to share it on the show. Now, let's get back to Deborah Joy Hart. Grapes and bananas and oranges, and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's so nice. They put that out for us. Oh, nobody actually offered that. Maybe it's for, we had to be out of there by seven. So maybe it was for the next group, right? So I said, oh, I better not, but oh, those grapes look like they'd be perfect. Well, after I got done speaking, I sat down and out comes one of the speakers. It was amazing. She lived, she was African-American and she did a whole piece, eight minute piece on living like her ancestors um, in this slave town somewhere in Africa. So that means literally she didn't bathe for months. She allowed herself to be shackled and all these things. And she comes out with this big basket of fruit offering it to her ancestors. The fruit that I wanted to eat. And all I kept saying was, thank you, God, for not letting me eat that ancestral fruit. Thank you, God, because how do you explain why all the grapes are gone? You know, your ancestors ate them. So I'm making jokes inside of myself just to feel better right. during rehearsal time. That is funny though. That was that if you had like delved right into that basket and then you know if she was going yeah. up to do it, it would have been and like half the fruit it, it, is gone. It almost make like a good comedy skit. You think you're like here, and then she looks oh, yeah. and it's like it just stops in the middle of talk. Hey, who took all my goddamn grapes? Yeah, really, really. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, and it loosened me up. I'll tell you what else loosened me up. One of the, okay, who would have thought this? There was a 13-year-old, 13-year-old girl giving a TED Talk. Her TED Talk was because at age 11, she started um, 
not a food bank, but you know what newspapers come in? Um, those those machines that you open up, you pay a quarter or, or a dollar now, and the machines open up right. and you have those machines. He set up a food bank in a park like that at age 11. So, and she got the community involved so that she she heard about the hungry people in normal Illinois and she didn't want them to go hungry. Wow. So she was 11 when she started 13 years old doing a TED talk. And by the way, she had a sleepover the night before. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> like, so I'm the oldest at 62. She's the youngest at 13. And we hooked up. And her parents heard my, um, heard both the talks, but right after my practice talk, they go, can you be our daughter's coach? Can you teach her how to be funny? I said, I've had a lot of therapy. That's how I've learned to be funny. You know, she's not old enough to have problems like this. Right. So. What's funny about like the whole having a sleepover the night before is that when you're young, you're unencumbered by all those voices in your head because you don't right. know how, the, you don't know how the world's going to beat the shit out of you later on. So right. you, you, right. you are untainted. So it's like, yeah, right. I'll, I'm going to have a sleepover. Yeah. You know, I'm stay up all night, watch movies. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> so she was by far my favorite. There was a woman and probably um, next to the newscaster, I was the person who had done, uh, who spoke professionally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there was one woman. She, she wound up with alopecia. She, um, at age 20 something. And her whole identity always was about her long legs, her long blonde hair, her blue eyes. She was Swedish and she wanted to be in the movies. And then all her hair fell out and she, then she had to shave her head. And her, her story was so compelling. Um, but on a practical side, I said, oh, take your wig off and leave it on this chair because at some point she takes her wig off and she was going to like walk outside. They give you a big red circle because it's TEDx, you know, you have to stay in the circle. So I was helping her with some of the logistics. And then I actually helped some of the um, uh, sound people and camera people with the logistics. So my, I, I felt like my public speaking um, really helped my professional speaking really helped others there. Mm -hmm. And I'm old and bold. So there you go. Old and bold. I'm old and bold. Well, we'll make sure that we put a, uh, a link to the, to your TEDx talk, you know, in the show notes. Cause I, you know, like I, it's a good view. I think that people will get a lot from watching it. So and we'll make sure we put that in there, but you know, looking back, you know, for other people that are considering, uh, putting one of these together or even just contemplating applying, you know, what are the couple of the, the, the biggest lessons that people can, you know, take from you on the whole, you know, the process or delivering, or, you know, what's your best advice for somebody that's thinking about this? One, save your fears for later. Just do it. Just sign up. However, if there's, you can go to a TEDx site where they have TEDx talks all over the world. You can do that. So just do it. 
And two, um, this is a lesson, at least for me, on learning to forgive the negative voices in your head. Something else I did, I stayed away from uh, people that were, um, spoke very negatively to themselves and others. In fact, I said goodbye to a nine-year friendship at the end, the same weekend of my TEDx talk. So really incorporate and hang out with and pay attention to people who are positive, uplifting, and, you know, make you feel, not make you feel, but add joy to your life. Right. Okay. So that's, that's, just, a good, that's just a good piece of advice in general in life. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, hang around with people that lift you up and they don't suck you down into their, uh, their negativity. I have like, right. for me, I have a, I have an, um, uh, a no OPD law in my life. No other people's drama. I just, you know, I don't want any of that. If people are high drama, they're real negative. I don't, I don't want any of that. Right. 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 And, and those are usually the people saying, I don't like other, not you, but the people that have to say, I, that person's too dramatic, that person's too dramatic, that's because they probably have a lot of drama in their life. Right. <laughs> Just saying. So, um, so that's a good piece. Lower your expectations as far as um, you expect everybody to be professional and work a certain way with you. And, you know, just lower your expectations. Sometimes I think high expectations of other people is very detrimental to the whole process. So that's another thing. And um, don't plan on thinking about anything else for about three months. <laughs> I'm, I am so, Karen nailed it. She goes, that's all. Now, you know, I haven't talked to Drew Tarvin. He would be a great person because he's done at least four TEDx talks or TED talks. And he's spoken about TEDx talks to other places. I mean, I'm like just amazed. And um, I'd be really curious. I haven't had a chance to talk to him. How, how did he work through that? And how did he work? You know, cause we're just different people and right. I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your experience on doing the TEDx with me and sharing yourself as well, because, I mean, you're always so much fun to be around, and I always Thanks. enjoy any time we get to spend together. Now, if after today, people want to connect with you, and like I said, we'll put the show note in the show notes, we'll put a link to the TEDx talk, but where can people you know, find uh, Deborah Joy Hart? Well, um, you can look up all the stuff that I do that's in one contained place, at my website, uh, which is Deborah Joy Hart, D-E-B-R-A-J-O-Y-H-A-R-T.com, or they can just email me. And my contact info is all on my website. So, awesome. And, and you can get to the TEDx from there. It's in the rolling credits. And there is also this really cool thing. NPR did something. TEDx Radio did something, so I'm there too. Oh, so, cool. yeah! I didn't even I'm like. Really, this is TEDx Radio. Whoa, it's like a shiny thing. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so 
like I said, I really appreciate you spending a little time with me today. Now I'm going to do um, what I call fast five, five questions. So you can just like, give me your best first answer on these five questions. Are you ready? Deborah Joy Hart. All right. Who's your favorite comedian? Oh, Robin Williams forever. Okay. What is your go-to funny movie? Oh, uh, Scrooge at Christmas time. And of course, Young Frankenstein anytime. Both good choices. I like that. Uh, what's your favorite kind of comedy? The kind my husband will laugh at with me. So <laughs> I tend to be a little bit more bawdy, but he, um, we, we love um, TV shows that make us laugh. And I love, I love snarky. I love funny. I love a little slapstick Carol Burnett-ish. Yeah. Nice. And that's very sweet that you like things that, you know, Daryl's going to laugh at with you. That's, that's warmed the cockles of my heart. All right. Aww. You and I are going out to dinner. Where do we go? Oh, tough choice. Mexican or barbecue? Uh, sushi too. Yeah. All good choices. We... All right. Yes. Last question. No, yeah. yeah, go to a bar. I'm all about that. Um, last, last question. Do you have a favorite joke? Um, here's the ones I tell quickly. Knock, knock. Who's there? Eyes. Eyes who? Eyes got another knock, knock joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Nose. Nose who? I knows another knock, knock joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ears. Ears who? Ears another knock, knock joke. Knock, knock. Who's, who's there? Chin. Who? Chin. Chin who? Chin up. No more knock-knock jokes. Nice. And with that, I will tell you, thanks again for spending a little time with me today. <laughs> I think I will use those with my granddaughter. Oh, yeah. They're great. <laughs> thanks. What a lot of fun it was talking to Deb Hart. I'm going to encourage you to connect with her on Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm going to put the link to her TED Talk in the show notes. Take a look at it. Really great talk, really great content. I know you get a lot from it. And it'll make the talk that you just listened to a little more meaningful. Now, this is the last of about five episodes I have left for the season before I take a break for the summer. So if you got something you want to hear about in the next season, shoot me an email at chipatunconventionalleader.com. I'd love to hear from you. And make sure you check out our website, aath.org. So until next time, this is Chip Lutz saying, we'll keep the laugh on for you. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit LaughBox.AATH.org.